Well, I've got some good news for you. 302 days until Christmas. So with that being said, you can go ahead and make your plans and set your budget so you have been warned 302 days from now Christmas will be here. I want you to be ready for that, all right? Let me pray for us. God, as we approach your word, God, help us not to take it lightly. God, help us to see that it is from you. God, as your servant Paul wrote to Timothy, God, help us to be reminded that all Scripture is breathed out by you. It's profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. So God, help us not to enter into this time of studying your word and hearing your word. Help us not to take it lightly. Help us to see the seriousness of it. God, for those like myself who have heard these particular words over and over again, help us not to go callous towards that, but instead soften our heart that we may be more like Christ. God, help us, help us, please, Lord, to study with fear and awe of you. Help us to walk in fear and awe of you. God, help us to see our weaknesses, truly how weak we are. God, help us to see how much we are in desperate need of you. Help us to be willing this morning to respond to you. Not so that we promote self, but instead so so that we are lifting up the name of Jesus. So that your kingdom is here. So that your kingdom is promoted. So that your will is done. So that your will is promoted. God, help us to refocus this morning for many of us that need to be refocused upon you or recentering our lives around you. God, for those many people in this room this morning that have confessed you as Lord, I pray that we would follow you and not our own desires. God, help us to live in obedience to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're back to the Sermon on the Mount. Zach did a great job last week of talking about following Jesus and what it truly means to follow him. Not follow Zach, but follow Jesus. What it means to obediently abide in him. What it means to give up and to surrender in submission to Christ. And so we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount for a long time now. And I know that you have... Uh, diligently been studying this and have been encouraged by what God is speaking to you about and you have a desire within your own life or within your own heart or your own mind to passionately pursue what he desires of you since you have given your life to him 
instead of passionately pursuing your own desires or promoting yourself. So we come to a somewhat fun, yet difficult, yet secretive topic of fasting. You remember, you remember back to thinking through these three righteous acts that happen in Jewish community. These three righteous acts of almsgiving or giving, of prayer, and of fasting. If you're going to prove your righteousness to the outside world, if you're going to prove that you are a follower of God or that God, Yahweh, is your God and you belong to Him, then you're going to prove it by these righteous acts. And over time, these righteous acts became watered down and the purpose or the reward behind them moved from where it should be to separated, separating themselves from God. And using the acts of giving, using the act of prayer, and using the act of fasting to begin to promote self, to stand on street corners and yell their prayers so other people could hear them, to uh, voice in the number of words they could to prove how great they were at praying and how much they knew and all the great theological terms that they were familiar with and how greatly they could pray in King James Version only. I mean, all these things that these righteous Pharisees were doing. By the way, the Pharisees didn't know King James only version, if you're confused by that. And then giving, proving how well they could give and showing that, tooting their own horn, sounding their own trumpet. Look how great I am at giving. And here we are thousands of years later and still struggling with sin, still struggling with human nature, still struggling with influencing other people to believe something about yourself that may or may not be true. Look who I am. Listen to my prayers. Look how great I give. Look how well I fast. Oh, I'm fasting. I'm going to show that by the way I'm depressed because I'm, I'm fasting now. That's no way to prove your righteousness. I mean, if you think about this for a moment, usually whatever rewards us is what motivates us. So where you're receiving your reward is what's motivating you to live in the way that you're living today. You're living for a, a specific reward. And that's motivating you to make the choices that you're making. I mean, just think for a moment on a simple question I'm going to ask you. Who picked out your clothes this morning? My dad's cousin, my second cousin, lives in Monahans. He's a great Thackerson. He's a veteran. He's a great guy to follow. He's got more knowledge and experience than a number of people I know. And he told me one time, he's like, Matt Harvey, I just want you to know that in my family, it's my, it's my job, I'm the leader of this family. I wear the pants in this family. Okay, it's great to know. She picks them out, but I wear the pants in this family. You think about your own life this morning as you got up, began to get ready to come here for Sunday school or for our worship gathering. Who picked out your clothes this morning? (laughs) 
I know some of you adults are thinking, I picked up my own clothes. Picked up my own clothes. Nobody picked up my clothes for me. I went to the closet, and I picked them out. But who influenced you to pick out the attire you're wearing this morning? I mean, did you wear or pick out the clothes that you picked out? <laughs> I see that point there. Who, who, who really picked them out for you? Who influenced you to wear the clothes that you're wearing this morning? I mean, did you wake up and go to your closet or to your drawer and say, Lord, as the holy God I'm going to approach and worship today, I'm looking at the attire that, that I've acquired through many laboring days, the resources that you've given me, And so in my closet here, there's a plethora of clothes. And God, I'm asking for your leadership on what I should wear this morning to enter into worship of you this morning. As I gather with other believers who belong to you, other orphans who who are abandoned because of sin and separated from you that you've gathered through your son. God, I'm looking at my closet. Which clothes do you desire for me to wear? Or did you approach your clothes, what you're wearing today, like many of us have? Or maybe I'm just confessing my own sin here. And I think about the influence you have over me, or the influence Oak Street Baptist Church had over me as a child, or the influence my parents had over me. This is what we wear. This is what we say. This is what we do. Who's influencing you? Who's rewarding you? Well, I recognize that if I pick out these clothes and wear these particular things or act this way or say these things or make these choices, then I'm rewarded from the people or from the places that I'm longing to be rewarded from. So I'll stand on the street corner. I'll let my prayers be known. I'll sound my trumpet so that you can see my giving because I I get the praise that I, I want. I'll wear the clothes that I so desire to wear. I'll put the face on that I think is going to get me the reaction that I'm longing to have. I mean, Christ doesn't want your clothes or your beard. He wants your heart. He wants to grip your heart and capture your heart so that every bit of your life is led by Him. He wants every moment of your life, your thoughts, your actions, your resources that you think belong to you, your prayer time. He wants every bit of that. And he's the only one worthy of having control of it. I mean, we just sang it together, worthy is the lamb, comes from Revelation chapter 5. There's only one who is worthy. There's only one who's worthy. And so because of that, I mean, the desire of a disciple of Jesus, the desire of one who has confessed Christ as Lord, the desire of a follower of Jesus should be, Christ, pick out my clothes. Christ, pick out my actions. Christ, pick out my job. Christ, pick out my spouse. Christ, pick out my friends. Christ, pick out the books I read. Christ, pick out the movies I watch. Christ, pick out... Pick up my retirement plan, whatever it may be, as Zach preached last week. Christ, you pick it out, because you're the only one worthy of that. See, these Pharisees that Jesus talks about, these hypocrites in Matthew chapter 6, 
They started living and they were motivated by the reward that, that was not or is not God. They got distracted by the things of this world. They got distracted by the praise of men. They got distracted by the things that the world can give them. I mean, we are constantly trying to gain more. We are constantly trying to gain more. Gain more time, gain more health, gain more money, gain more friends, gain more fame. We're, we're constantly in this gaining society. More and more and more and more. And the Pharisees began to use fasting as a way to do that. If I change my appearance, if I walk out in public and show my clothes to be differently, people will see me, oh, he or she must be fasting. Look at them. Look how great they are. Look how righteous they are. Look how holy they are. Look how religious they are. And then in that, they began gaining something from it, a reward from, from men. Good on you. Great job. You're fasting again. Man, how incredible that is. Look how great you are. Look how religious you are. I wish I was more like you. And then in that, they, they grab those things, put the metal around themselves, and they say, well, I won again. I received the reward that motivates me the most. We as followers of Jesus have to move to a point where we say Jesus is enough. You could even move if you wanted to to a point where you said Jesus is more than enough. But at least we have to get to the point where if we've confessed Christ as Lord, then we really believe that he is enough. And then that everything that we do is because Jesus is our reward. We have to move to a place where that's the truth. We're, we're constantly trying to gain these things. And as Christ points out in Matthew 6, 16 through 18, fasting, or the religious act of fasting, helps us to say that I need less from this world, that I need less from me, that I need less from the people around me, and I need more of Jesus. Let's read this together, Matthew 6, 16 through 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. But truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Again, good on you. Great. You're fasting again. Woohoo! Congratulations for being religious. That's your reward. Verse 17 and 18 says, But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. See, these three things that Jesus points out in giving and prayer and fasting, kind of the central theme is your Father in secret who sees you. Your religious acts are not to be proven to men. Your religious acts are supposed to lift up the name of Jesus, His kingdom, His will, His name. The reason why you meet together corporately, the reason why we worship Jesus corporately, is not to prove how religious you are to me, or me to prove how religious I am to you, 
or how much you studied the Bible this week and I did not, or how much you fasted this week and I didn't, or how much you prayed this week and I didn't, or how much you gave this week and I didn't. That's not the point of gathering together to prove how religious you are and I'm not, or how religious I am and you're not. But instead, the reason why we meet is to encourage one another and refocus one another and recenter one another on who God is. Matt Chandler's a pastor in the Dallas area and he often yells at his congregation about how much they talk about themselves. You talk about yourself way too much. We live in a culture where we talk about ourselves and talk about ourselves and look, look at me and here's my opinions and here's what I know and here's my experiences. We talk way too much about ourselves and not enough about our God. I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know more about God and His faithfulness. Giving, praying, fasting, these, these righteous acts that Jesus points out should be moments where we're recentering and refocusing on the kingdom, the king of the kingdom, and the king's will in the kingdom, heaven on earth, that the Lord's will would be done. And we are modeling that to the rest of the world. And fasting gives us this moment. We don't use it as a moment where we prove our righteousness to others by changing our face, but instead we, we continue on with life saying, no, no, let me show you. I don't want you to look at my face. I don't want you to look at me and my clothes and how I'm living or what I'm doing at this moment, but instead I, I want to point you to Jesus. I want to point you to God because I, because I know that He and He alone is the only thing, is the only one that will ever satisfy. Fasting really is, it truly is a, a minimizing of the fleeting things and a maximizing of the eternal king. It's a moment where we say, I only need Jesus. I only need Jesus. I'm going to fast. I'm going to do away with something. I'm going to do away with food. I'm going to, I'm going to take something out of my life so that I can say I'm weak and I am need of God. And I've heard it a number of times in my short time of, of working in the church. Well, pastor or youth minister or choir director. You know, I, I just can't fast. It's just, not, it's just not possible for me to fast. I just can't do it. Don't try and ask me to do that because it's just not, it's not possible. It's not physically possible for me to do that. Well, here's what I've learned in my short time. we got a lot of people who would say that, but they spend a lot of time fasting from praying. They spend a lot of time fasting from studying Scripture. They spend a lot of time fasting from showing mercy or offering forgiveness or meeting corporately with other believers. They spend a lot of time fasting and not giving their time to Jesus, filling it with something else. I mean, Christ, our example in Matthew 4, spent time in solitude, spent time in fasting to recenter or focus his life upon who he is in most need of. You write it down today before we started talking about this. You may have said, because you're in a church setting, you may have said at the top, uh, what, are, what, are your, what are your needs in life? What's your needs list? You, you may have written God at the top. But can you really... Have you really been without him? I mean, have you really spent a moment thinking and reflecting on re introspection, really looking at your life and saying, I mean, I, 
and I love Jesus, and I'm going to write him at the top of my list, but, but I'm okay just putting him to the side during the week, and I'll c- come back to him. Almost a fast from Jesus. I'll come back to you on Sunday, or I'll come back to you when I, when I need you the most. And followers of Jesus recognize that they need Jesus every moment of their life. So Jesus really points out here when we talk about fasting and this refocusing or the centering upon who Christ is, our weaknesses, recognizing our weaknesses, saying we cannot do this this life without you. We're going to fast. We're going to do away with something so that our appetite changes, so that we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus says these hypocrites or these religious people began to use this voluntary act as a point of self-promotion. He basically says that no voluntary act of spiritual discipline should ever become an occasion for self-promotion. As we meet together, as we study together, as we worship together, as we take part in the discipline of praying together or fasting together or giving together or whatever the case may be when we're together, it should never be a moment where you or I take our discipline and our walking in Christ and use it as a moment where we promote ourself. Instead, fasting should help us deny self, should help us take up our cross, should help us follow Jesus. If you can't do without something, it tells us a lot about what has a grip on your heart. And fasting really is making room in your hearts and your appetites to wholeheartedly worship God and find eternal pleasure in Him. I read it again. Fasting really is making room in your hearts and your appetites to wholeheartedly worship God and find eternal pleasure in Him. You think about your your week that we just went through, the things that you found pleasure in. Maybe it was that Olympic moment where somebody that you were cheering for won and you get to see them on the, the podium and you're cheering along with them and maybe you have tears like some people at our house and you're wiping the tears and you took pleasure in that moment. Oh, the joy that comes from that. I mean, it's the same. This is what we should be longing for as followers of Jesus. Like David said in Psalm 51, oh, that the, the joy of salvation might be restored to my soul. This moment of finding pleasure in Christ and Christ alone. One author said that we should feast on God. Fasting helps us to feast on God and not man. It's a sign of desiring God in secret, not the praise of men in public. What rewards us is usually what motivates us. In this case, these hypocrites were motivated by the reward, the praise of men that they received. So you choose daily. I'm going to act this way. I'm going to respond this way because of whatever reward you're receiving. And as followers of Jesus, it's why, it's, it's why Paul says that we need a, a transforming or a renewing of our mind, a changing of feelings, a change of heart. It's why we must be born again because human nature doesn't teach us to become dependent upon Christ or dependent upon anyone. We're longing to be independent. And fasting is a 
a discipline where we're saying, I recognize my weakness, and I'm in need of something greater than myself. I'm in need of something with more power than myself to come in and rescue me, to come in and supply me or sustain me with the things that I need every day. Give us this day our daily bread, recognizing our need for the Father. Fasting helps us to refocus and recenter our lives upon that. Fasting is wanting something so bad, you'll stop eating to pursue it. Fasting is wanting something so bad that you'll stop eating to pursue it. Giving up eating to express your humiliation or your humbleness, and you're losing to see something done by God. God, I want you to work in my life, so I'm willing to give up these things. I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see your will be done. I want to see your name lifted on high, so I'm willing to do I'm willing to give up these things for the sake of you being glorified, for the sake of you being lifted on high. And particularly when we talk about fasting and our thoughts, biblically accurate, go towards eating. Pastor, I just can't stop eating. I just can't stop eating. I'm going to try and step on your toes for a second here. If your doctor told you to fast, you would fast. So why is it that when our Savior tells us to do something, we become skeptical of it? We often think our doctor's going to save us, but he or she ain't. They don't die for you. There are a lot of great doctors. <laughs> but there's only one true physician, and that's Jesus. And he's asking us to find satisfaction and pleasure in him and him alone. And fasting helps us refocus upon that. We've got many brothers and sisters, other denominations, other beliefs that spend months fasting from things, giving up of things, spend 40 days proving their religiousness, Spend a whole month of Ramadan saying, I'm going to give up things so I can hear from Allah. Or I'm going to give up these things so that I can prove how religious I am and, and hope that I'm doing enough. And we have the truth that Jesus has done it all. And that nothing we can do will save us. That we are weak in need of a strong Savior. And fasting helps us refocus on that. Lord, I'm willing to give up these things so that I can begin pursuing you and finding pleasure in you and you alone. You know, it's interesting when you read through church history or world history and you read about the Great Awakening and the revivals that happened, particularly here in the United States. You begin researching on how those things happened, what was the combination to that, if I do the right combo, then maybe we'll have revival break out again. If I do the right things, maybe revival will happen again. I mean, I know that some of you are with me on that same process, same thought process. If we do these things in the correct order, then maybe, just maybe, God will, will do these things again. I mean, I've, I can really relate to these hypocrites that Jesus is talking about. If I give, if I pray, if I fast, just maybe God will do something. 
follower of Jesus, please do not forget that God has not stopped doing things. He has not stopped being sovereign. He has not stopped extending mercy. He has not stopped being slow to anger. He has not stopped being compassionate. He has not removed forgiveness or the opportunity for forgiveness. He is still at work. It's interesting to read these stories. Two pastors, one with the great last name of Wayland and the other Sprague, say this, that they saw there was a combination that happened when these revivals happened. Number one, there was a putting away of all known sin. So before revival happened, they saw these combinations. A putting away of all known sin. In church world, we call that repentance. People begin to repent of their sins. Not just, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, so forgive me of those sins. But instead, they begin repenting of their known sins. The ones that they knew that they had committed. Lord, here are my sins. I'm confessing them to you. I'm I'm showing you my need for you and forgiveness and mercy with this particular thing. Number two, there was a setting apart of seasons of fasting and prayer, both individually and collectively. So there were individuals who were setting aside seasons of prayer and fasting, and there were groups of people, particularly churches, who were a part of the same thing. So people were putting away or repenting. People were Putting a, uh, setting apart times of, or seasons of fasting and prayer, recognizing the power and the righteousness and the holiness of God, saying we cannot do this by ourselves. I'm going to fast so that you can see, God, that I know that I'm weak and I'm in desperate need of you and I want to pursue you and you alone. And the third common thing that was these particular pastors recognized and when a revival was happening was there was more frequent and more faithful preaching of the gospel. So there was times of repentance. There was times of prayer and fasting. And there was times of faithful proclamation of Christ and his teaching. And revival happened. But Tozer, A.W. Tozer, who died in the 60s, 1960, he says this, Have you noticed how much praying for revival has been going on of late? And how little revival has resulted? He says this, I believe the problem is that we have been trying to substitute prayer or praying for obeying. And it simply will not work. Christ is longing for our obedience. His death, His resurrection, the statement or the song that's being sung about Him now, that Revelation 5 tells us that worthy is the Lamb. He is worthy of our obedience. Because He's worthy of our obedience, we pray to Him asking. and We fast because of Him, asking for Him to work, for His name's sake, for His kingdom's sake, for His will's sake. Not promoting self, look how great I am, but instead saying how great you are because Christ is a worthy reward. So the reward of fasting is wanting more than the pleasure of food or the reward of men 
But again, it's making room in your hearts and your appetites to wholeheartedly worship God and to find eternal pleasure in Him. I mean, who knows, church? Who knows if a group of people here, the corner of 2nd Washington, who we gather frequently together, who knows what God would do with us if our attitude was of repentance, if our prayer was really to Him, asking for His kingdom to come, His will be done, His name to be lifted on high. Who knows if we gathered together and said, let's individually and collectively fast, asking God for Him to work, pursuing Him as a pleasure of above all things. Fasting reminds us that we are weak and we are in need of help. Turn to Second Chronicles chapter 20. It's one of my favorite stories of the, of the Old Testament, mostly because it ends with a statement that I say too often. Second Chronicles chapter 20, we're going to start in verse 1. We'll end, we'll end here together. So after this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Meganites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Jehoshaphat was king. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom and from beyond the sea. And behold, they are, are in Hazon Tamar. And so what would you do in this moment? Where do you turn to refocus your life? Where do you turn when tragedy strikes or traumas around you? Where do you turn when you just need to get a level head? Verse 3 says this, Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Jehoshaphat messed up in a number of ways, but he got something right here. He knew that his attention had to be turned and his vision had to be turned upon God. Like the author of Hebrews says, God the author and perfecter of our faith, Hebrews 12. So he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Why would they fast? Because they're in need of God. Why do you fast? Because you are in need of God. Quit making excuses. Give up something and pursue Jesus. Be obedient to him alone. If you can't do food because you might die, do something else. So that you can passionately pursue obedience in Christ. It goes on to say, verse 5, And Joseph had stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court and said this. So this begins his prayer. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? <laughs> Do you remember the model prayer? Let me just read it to you. This is how you should pray. Or pray like this. Our Father in heaven Hallowed be your name. O Lord our God, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In your hand are power 
and might so that no one is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Verse 8, And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before the house of we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided, did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Here's the key verse, verse 12. In fasting and prayer. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do but our eyes are upon you. Fasting brings us to this moment. We recognize who God is, that his name, his kingdom, his will is what we should be about. We recognize in fasting our weaknesses, and we ask God to recenter us, not on on the praise of men, or the approval of men, or the fear of men, but instead because our reward is Jesus. Oh God, we do not know what to do, so we turn our face to you. Oh God, we do not know what to do, but we know that you are sovereign. Oh God, we do not know what to do, but we, we know we need you. Fasting helps us to recenter or refocus upon that. Salvation came and you confessed Christ as Lord, and then you began to grow up and mature. And unfortunately, some of us become independent of Christ, though we are, should be longing for dependence upon Him. And fasting brings us back to that moment where we say, Christ is enough. Now, whatever your reward is that you're seeking or you felt rewarded with is what's going to motivate you to act the way that you act. My prayer has been that Christ would be your reward that you would be motivated to passionately pursue him above all other things, above all other things, that our prayer and our attitude together would be like King Jehoshaphat. Lord, in our prayer and our fasting, we don't know what to do. The world is broken. It is a mess. My family's broken. It's a mess. My kids are broken. They're a mess. And we don't know what to do. So we focus our life and our eyes upon you. Help us to be focused on that. Help us to be focused on you and you alone. Really, fasting says this. God, I love you more than food. Or better yet said maybe, I need you more than food. So as you go to lunch today, As your belly grumbles, so do your kids. (laughs) As your attitude and your vision gets focused on what we're going to eat next, satisfying our hunger pains, 
My hope is that you would be reminded that all you need is Jesus. Lord, help us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. God, help us this morning to be motivated by the reward of Jesus. God, help us not to seek approval or praise of men, but instead help us to be centered upon you. God, I thank you so much for even King Jehoshaphat who made some bad choices at times, but at least at that moment saw the need for casting vision upon you. He recognized your holiness. He recognized your name being above all names, your kingdom being above all kingdoms. So he set his vision upon you. God, help us as a group, help us as individuals to pursue you and you alone. Help us not to be self-promoting, but instead help us through your Holy Spirit to deny self, take up cross like you've commanded us to do and follow you. Help us to walk obediently in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.